Welcome to Lumpen Week in Review, the show that covers the past week of news, happenings, and programs presented on WLPN. This week, Lumpen Radio spoke to experts on children at play, heard about the weird world of ASMR, and spoke with a leading candidate for mayor. We will also debut new music from Dos Santos. All this plus the Trump Diaries and much more, only on the Lumpen Week in Review for June 15, 2018. I-94 spoke to Nafisa Thompson-Spires, author of Heads of the Colored People, a new collection of short stories. Thompson-Spires talked about her source material, the ASMR movement, and middle-class black literature. I-94, Lumpen's Books and Literature show, airs every Sunday at 11 a.m. At a quarter to five, she put on her headset with a 3D microphone and called Dom. Hey, sorry, I was finishing something up, his torso said. Hey, Raina said too loudly before correcting herself. Hey, she half whispered, half spoke. Dom preferred her on-screen persona, no head, and she tolerated his request for faceless chatting, though she occasionally got glimpses of his neck or the faint dark scruff on his pale, almost translucent chin. What did you think? Hmm. It was good, Dom said after hesitation. The story part, Rapunzel was a nice choice, but if you're going to do something like that, I think you should sew more of your hair next time. Reyna was trying to transition her hair from relaxed to natural, though she kept it flat ironed in most of her videos. She tried scrunching the burned straight ends to blend them in with the three to four inches of ingrowing coils and kinks at her hairline, but that made her hair only chin length instead of shoulder length, and Dom speculated that her views decreased when her hair was not in the frame or the thumbnail preview for the video. They had met, really, started chatting, first through text and then on camera, after he commented on a few of her videos. She only had 57 subscribers then, but with Dom's suggestions, little things like telling stories on camera or changing the video tags, she had grown her brand to over 20,000 subscribers in a little over five months, even making some advertising revenue. Okay, more hair, Raina whispered. Anything else? Meh. I like the whole fairy tale theme. I think more videos like that, especially if you dressed up. Like a corset? Yeah, something like that. She thought she heard Dom chewing something. I'll think about it, Raina said, her mind already working out the details of her mother's reproof. Costumes were especially offensive to Carmen and more evidence of impropriety or kink, not simply role-playing or fantasy. In her regular voice, Raina said, Dom, have you thought about what I said about the next level? Dom shifted in his chair, his white hands fluttering towards the top of the screen and out of the frame, probably running through his hair. He was definitely chewing. I think... I just think it might change things, like... too much, he said after a long pause. I like things the way they are now. I'd do two, Raina said slowly back in her gentle whisper voice. But if you're really my boyfriend, it would make more sense to actually see each other, or at least more of each other. I'll think about it, he said. My dad's texting me, gotta go, I'll call or something tonight. Raina didn't hear his phone buzzing, but she said bye.
And welcome back. That was a reading from the author Nafisa Thompson Spire's book, Heads of the Colored People. You are listening, of course, to I-94 here on Lumpen Radio. Nafisa, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about that story. I, I chose that one um, for personal reasons. Uh, you probably don't know this, but our radio station actually airs uh, morning ASMR updates. We do a little segment for about four minutes with, with a reader uh, every morning at 720. Um, and I felt this was an unusual, this is a very unusual niche thing, ASMR recordings and stuff like that. How did you get interested in this and, and why did you write a story about it? ASMR is no strange. Yeah. Um, it, I discovered it, discovered it, um, found a term for what I'd been experiencing my whole life, the, the sensory experience of um, certain sounds creating tingles or goosebumps. Um, when I was searching for a yoga nidra video, I used to do these yoga nidra tracks, and I was searching for one on YouTube, and at the, in the comments for it, someone said, oh, this person would do a good job with ASMR, so I looked up the term, and I started looking up more videos, and I just thought it was such a strange, but kind of cool um, concept, that people are, for various reasons, whispering and tapping and using instruments on the um, videos to try to create for other people who are listening to them. Right. For, for people who don't know what ASMR is. I do uh, not. So it's, it is a, uh, it is an extremely niche series of videos and sounds where people speak in whispers and uh, brush their hair. Uh, they listen to cats uh, drinking milk. It is supposed <laughs> to make people's skin tingle, but it's, it's usually um, the, the videos, most of them are used as sleep aids for people. Uh, there's there's some data that YouTube sees the biggest spike um, around 10.30 at night uh, in local areas, people watching these videos. They're almost always done by young women. Uh, the person that does the, them on our show is a, a woman named Mystic Rain. She used to be called Vanilla Whispers. And then she found that a person with fewer followers had that name. Uh, <laughs> Vanilla Whispers. Uh, so we, we I don't want to. She's caused any car accidents at seven twenty. Uh, at seven twenty, I don't know. We put people to sleep. I don't know. You know, I think my weather reports do that. <laughs> but uh, you know, this was an interesting, uh, an interesting story. And you know, we're we're getting a little too much into the weeds on what ASMR is. But but Nafisa, I, what I thought was very interesting was this is a story of a, of a young girl looking to find herself. She's she's obviously in an unsatisfying relationship from from you got that. But it's also a story about parental disapproval. Her her mom uh, and dad are not. Not exactly thrilled that she's making YouTube videos that show off uh, her cleavage and other stuff, uh, and they think it's kind of strange and don't understand it. Could you could you talk a little bit about what you were trying to get at in that story for our listeners? I was interested in multiple levels of someone um, being more of a body than a full person, and I think a lot of the stories are interested in that. But Raina, Raina's head is literally not in the videos. People don't see her face a lot of the time. Um, except for in the thumbnail previews. And she has this boyfriend who only wants to chat with her as though they are on a YouTube video. So he doesn't want her head in the frame when they're using FaceTime or <laughs> Skype or whatever. And then her mother is constantly critical of her body. And it's sort of like she only exists, I think there's a phrase, something like she's flesh to everyone, mm -hmm. nothing more than flesh. And um, I thought that was an interesting idea that, you know, this is a, a fully rounded person and yet, her physical appearance is the only thing that seems to matter and what she can do for people with that physical appearance. So for her mother, it's make a good impression for her boyfriend, it's to give him this sensation of ASMR. It's all about image and outward appearance and not the person. 
And so I wanted to think about that through multiple levels with the story. In that story, Reina addresses her mother by her first name, right? She addresses her mother as Carmen? Kind of. Or the narrator does from from her point of view. And that that happens in the the story that Jeremy's going to want to talk about in a second, that the parents want their child to address them by their first names. That as that's such a foreign, bizarre concept to me. Is was that common with you growing up? No, not at all. Okay. Um, I think I don't think that it's that Raina's necessarily addressing her mother that way. Okay. Um to be disrespectful. I think it's that the narrator um just gets into her vocalization that way. But in the other story I think you're referring to the subject of consumption. Um Ryan yeah, the fruitarians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That story is it's intentional. They want their daughter to um, refer to her by their first name. And, and that's just a very strange family who has a lot of interesting viewpoints. Nancy Clem spoke to Fraternal Forest, Sol Hinami Mayorga, and Kathleen Soleil about children at play in the woods in the forest. Sol discusses her concept that children can absorb nature if allowed free play. Soleil discusses the reclamation of the land. Spontaneous Vegetation with Nancy Clem airs the second Monday of the month at noon. Welcome, Kathleen and Sol. Hi. Thank you. Thank you, Her Highness. <laughs> yeah. So, I, um, I kind of struggle with your name a bit just to be honest. And when I thought about fraternal, I had to move it away from brotherly, since uh, most of your playworkers are women, and think of it more about the twins, about twinning, right? Um, and I also had to think about forest, because we don't really have forest in this part of Chicago. We have woodlands, technically. So, I wanted, so I just said, I was thought, it's really, it's, it's great. I, under, I understand what those words are together. But I think more than anything, it's, it's referring to this tradition of um, forest schools um, in other places. And I wondered if you can both comment on choice of name and also uh, what tradition you feel like you're working with. When we chose the name Fraternal Forest, uh-huh. it came, um, so the idea, I speak Spanish, it's my, my first language, and fraternal to me means siblingly, we don't mm. have fraternal hermandad, mm-hmm. I was trying to come up with the word hermandad, as in, you see in the, in the woods, in nature, your, your sibling, your brother, right. your, you, you love them like your brother, like yeah. your landscape, and the love that I felt for, for my own landscapes is very similar to the love that I have for my siblings, for my family. Is with challenge, with not as much respect that I have for my parents, but more with, with, with um, playfulness and, and, and deep love. So the word fraternal was natural. 
Later on, I began acknowledging this this idea that fratern fraternality in the U in in English has a bad connotation, but we can re yeah, reshape bad, that. Yeah, but different. Yes, but I understand yes. like fraternal twins again. Yes, it's exactly that. That's mm -hmm. yes. That's yeah. a, we're humans, but we're also like your your fraternal sibling. Yes, the woods. Yes, yeah. the forest, the nature, the the trees, the mud, the the slugs, the. So with, um, since there is a history of forest schools, can you speak a little bit to um, some background in that and when they started and how they started and, and how you feel like you might be um, carrying that forward or, or maybe shifting that a bit? This, <clears throat> this school began with, with the location. So there is a, um, in, in North Park Village Nature Center, there which is, is in the north of Chicago, in northwest Chicago, uh -huh. there is an area that was off, um, it was, it was, people were not allowed to trespass in there for many, many years. It used to be a sanatorium for tuberculosis for a long time. And because re reforesting that area was very complicated, they, they, the nature center just decided to keep it off, off um, to keep people away but people were coming in anyway like the mm -hmm. trespassers were coming in anyway and there was one person who was brilliant he 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 started taking children to the woods and say let's just go for a little bit we're gonna make little little um stick houses for your tiny people's hands and he started walking them but then the house started getting bigger and bigger and then the six-year-olds were telling the it was during a summer camp the six-year-old were telling were telling this person sean schaefer that that they wanted to sleep over there. That the parents were not going to miss them. Like I'm sure they were not miss. They were not miss you. <laughs> <laughs> and and so that after that, every summer he started taking kids from the summer camp to just play in the woods. And eventually he convinced the former director of the nature center to just take off the sign that says "No trespassing" because the trespassers were coming. But what they wanted was was people with with different. Um, age ranges like mothers and children and, and teenagers and, and people walking their dogs to feel welcome in the woods. Mm -hmm. And there was a lady who was um, very wise. She was um, she started an, an outdoor forest play school, preschool for little children. My own Teresa Weed. Yes, Teresa mm -hmm. Weed, yes. She's an amazing woman. She yeah. she 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 takes a lot of uh, um, schooling from, from zoology, which is great. Yeah. And um, so my children attended to that school. And when my oldest daughter graduated, um, another friend of mine, we were saying that we missed, we we're gonna miss the woods so much. And, and, and we look around and it was, there wasn't anything like this. So we just ended up doing it. Yeah. It was for our children. That's cool. And then it's kind of bubbling up and it's growing and in, in, in spawning in, in different directions. That's great. And Kathleen, can you speak a little bit about um, tradition of forest schools and other places? So um, I feel like a way in which this different this is different from other types of forest schools um, is that we are playing in a space that is a buckthorn thicket. It's not really a forest. It's not. It's I call it a trash forest. And every time I see these places, I call them trash forests. They're often the <laughs> intentions of people who go in. Um, to use these spaces are to maybe, without children, are to maybe drink beer or maybe find a place to actually have a safe haven for sleeping um, at night um, for the homeless. Or 
um, to seek some other kind of refuge in a space where that's not that's not privileged with the beauty of restored nature, um, where they're allowed to be. So um, we try to be respectful of that space as something that many different people use because they see it as a refuge. Um, and I feel like in other places um, that I have been, um, where the for there's actually an ecosystem of a forest that is being preserved and protected and maintained, um, we're sort of slipping into spaces where um, we're allowed to make drastic changes to the environment. Um, and in Chicago, there aren't very many of those types of spaces. Sports spoke with artist Joan Giroux in a discussion of her latest project on display at MCA's The Commons Artist Project. Giroux talked about the concept of play and how she advocates for the preservation of the city's open green spaces against political and commercial development. Bad at Sports airs every Wednesday at 11 a.m. I'm Brian Andrews. I'm Ryan Peter Miller. And today we're joined by Joan Giroux. Hi, I'm Joan Giroux. I love, I love the way that that name spills out of my mouth. Joan Giroux. Yes. Yeah, it's Giroux. fun. It's good. Like the publisher. No yeah. relation. Or I was just thinking like Rue, like, you know, you're going to make some gumbo, right? Yes. My teachers at school frequently mispronounced it. I got Jirox, Jirox, Jirox. Jirox. Oh, my Jirox. gosh. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's yeah. A, sounds kind of like a DJ name. Yeah, yeah. Jirox. Joan Jirox. It could be yeah. something for like a porn star, but... You could know. be, could be. Yeah, I, that would not be me. Many that would be my alter ego in a different universe. Different universe. So uh, we're not interviewing that universe. We're here in the <laughs> present universe, uh, where you've got a project up uh, at the MCA, correct? Uh, yes, I do. At the uh, the MCA Commons, the new space that opened up in October at their fiftieth anniversary of the MCA. Um, they the Commons is a space which is for community engagement and community practice and they are every year there will be two artists um, for like three to four months in residency the first artist was edra soto she lovely person yes she opened up been on the the show friend of the show yes yes um wonderful artist uh she had her project open 24 hours which was there for starting in october for a few months in through February, I think. And then my project, uh, Eco Monopolies in the Commons, it just opened up. Uh, May 1st was the soft opening, and then there was a brunch opening on May 5th. And now it's running through October 7th. So people have a lot of time to come in uh, if they're interested to check this out. So uh, if they were, what would they discover in the space? Oh, many different things. So, um, and actually, depending on when they come, they might even find me there. Uh, so, the um, project Eco Monopolies in the Commons, there are a couple of kind of main themes in the project. One main theme is um, how do we design urban space and how are urban spaces uh, shaped to um, meet or not meet needs of different people. 
um, or, and different communities, and how do they change over time. Um, so actually, <clears throat> we just did a revision of the space. So anyone who has was there between May 1st and this past Monday experienced the space shaped one way. And then uh, Monday, we put up one of those little signs, kind of building a better Chicago sign, only you know, building a different commons and rearranged and one of the objects came out and some other things came in. So there's a couple Repeat value. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So the premise is um, that, so there's, oh God, there's a bunch of different things there. So there's, um, there was this topographical mapping element, which has now left the space, but it's going to return to the space in a different format um, in July. Um, there is a um, set of web resources on iPads. That's sort of simple and easy. Um, and there is a gaming, um, well, there's a library of games and books which have to do with ideas around environmental art, ecological art, uh, global climate change, uh, the Anthropocene, um, exploration and discovery maps and how we use maps to understand and draw territories and um, define boundaries or the lack thereof. Uh, And so there's books, actual physical objects that people can put in their hands, hold in their hands and read and look at. There's also a library of games that people can pull out onto some of the tables that are there and play. Um, There will be actually a game night programming on June 15th. If anyone's interested, they could look on the website and find out information about that. Um, And then there's also kind of a, I don't, um, a game that's kind of like an urban building game where I have a bunch of different wooden blocks and felt pieces that are in different configurations. And people can go and build the space that they would like to see their community So the, these are all tactile games. They're not video games. These are things the, that people can come to a museum so, and touch and feel and interact correct. with. So I, yes, and one of, I kind of purposefully, I know there was a conversation early on as we were developing ideas around the project and I was having conversations with the curator um, because we talked about having web resources Uh, There was a discussion about having video games, and I said, well, no, I I kind of would like to have things not be on the computer because I would like for people to actually experience real physical objects and physical space. So um, one of the other pieces, and this is uh, one of the reasons for the shift, that um, there's a a thing called the Letterbox Challenge, uh, which is a collaboration with the Chicago Park District um, and the MCA and myself, and it's essentially, do you, do you, I don't know if you know that there are 15 cultural centers in the Chicago Park District. The Park District is amazing. I, you know, the there's, Park there's, District is huge. There's like yeah. thousands of acres. There's like 500 some parks. Right. But there are 15 what are defined as cultural centers, and cultural centers are parks where they have arts programming of two or more kinds, and they've sort of Apply. I guess I don't know if they have to apply internally in the park district to get this designation, right. but maybe it's visual arts programming, maybe it's dance, maybe it's music, maybe it's literary arts, um, and they do programming in way of presentation of work, um, like concerts and th- you know evenings out in the park, things like that. 
And they also do educational things or summer camp things and stuff like that related to the arts. So these 15 cultural centers, they are the northernmost one is Indian Boundary Park, which is up in West Ridge. And the southernmost is, I don't know if it's Calumet Park or West Pullman Park, but they literally from the city, um, if you look at a map of the city, they literally snake throughout the city. They um, describe the city's um, boundaries. Uh, yeah, yeah, some of the city's boundaries. So the the areas on this um, this map that the folks at home can't see, but you can, um, the air, the lighter areas are all the community areas where those particular cultural centers are located. And I have uh, hidden a letterbox at each one of those cultural centers, and I have made a published a little booklet that has clues as to how to find those letterboxes. What's a letterbox? So a letterbox is like a very um, older, it's an older sort of more traditional method, physical real space method of, well, it's, it's like tagging or it's like geocaching. You provide clues to find a location and in that location, in this case, there's a box, and in the box, there's um, there's a um, stamp and a stamp pad, and what's called a logbook. And this is which I, looks like a passport. It looks like a little passport. Well, and that's because that's the way I designed it. Right. I, anyone could you could make one, you could make one out of just pieces of paper put together. I specifically designed it like this because you can fit this object in your back pocket because you travel to the letterbox with your own passbook. And so in the passbooks that I created, which are at the, um, at the MCA and also at these 15 different cultural centers, I did a print run um, with offset printing um, and printed it up on, enough that I could distribute them to all the cultural centers. Um, folks can pick up a little passbook and they can open it up and they can read the clue for how to find this particular letterbox at this particular location. And then they have a stamp, and they stamp the letterbox logbook with their stamp, and they stamp uh, their own logbook with the letterbox stamp. Oh, so this is an exchange going either way. So it's way. an exchange going both ways. And then at the end of the summer, on August 31st, which is a Friday night, from 6 to 8, we're inviting people to come to the MCA, to the Commons, to share out their stories of what they discovered when they went to neighborhoods they'd never been to before, to parks that they'd never been to before. Hey, uh, what's with the motorcycle helmet? This is the VR helmet I built. Oh, wow. That, that's kind of cool. Uh, the 3D mapping is a bit off. That's wild, but I, I honestly didn't know you knew this sort of engineering. Want to put it on, take it to our bridge for it? Yeah, I do. So remember, only navigate with the joystick. Do not, I repeat, do not use your feet. Okay. You're set. I'll be monitoring you from my master control upstairs. Wow, this is insane. This looks exactly like the GoPro. Wow, hey, Hannah. Copy. Yeah, this is amazing. This this looks too real. Wow, I can, I can even feel the beer tab. Did you map the entire space? Hey, uh, what, what's going on here? Is there a narrative element to this experience? Jamie, I'm having a, a little trouble monitoring your user activity. Hey, hey you... how do I open doors in this? Double click that door. Wait, 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 what door? The basement door. Jamie, please avoid yeah? that door. That part of the yeah? is completed. Please go back uh, to the... Uh. Ooh, this is kind of spooky. <laughs> this looks just like Tron. 
Only it's the Copro basement. Don't move. Kyle? Have you come to free us from Digital Ed? Uh, no. Uh, what is, what's Digital Ed? In this reality, Digital Ed is like Donkey Kong, and like Mario, we must save the princess. Do you wish to proceed? Uh, of course. This sounds hilarious. Follow me. <laughs> Whoa! Is that Digital Ed? He's huge. He's like six right. stories tall. We must reach the top of the scaffold, but look out. He throws barrels of Mars beer, and he can only be defeated by hitting him three times with any of these. Uh, green onions? Non-caloric sea salt infused donuts? Is that back issues a lumpin'? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Throw it at him. All right. Take that, evil digital ed. Quickly, let's hide behind this non-functional, awkwardly placed block. How many uh, levels do we save the princess? I am the princess. Uh, what? Jamie, this ain't no game. My chin strap got stuck, and I can't get out of my video game hat. What the heck? Where are you in real life? I, I have no idea. Um, all right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll exit the game and see what Brothers, I can... Don't leave me. If Digital Ed squashes you, you have to start from square one. This is the farthest I've ever made it. Well, the game can't be that big. It is all of Bridgeport. What? I could be anywhere in real life. Run! Yeah, sure, I'm, I'm coming with you, Kyle. This looks like the real outside. Right, the object of this next level is to survive the gauntlet of Morgan and reach Maria's. This is only virtual reality. Kyle. Still a form of reality. Oh, the street's melting. Quick, guys, hop on my back. What happened to Jess? She's using her superpowers. She's a worm. Am I a snake? Jamie, do you copy? I copy you, Hannah. Don't talk to her. We're playing a game. What are you doing? Uh, we're on the back of Snake Jessica trying to feed the digital edge so we can free Kyle. Jamie, hang up on it. We gotta get the Maria's so I can be free from this repetitive hell. Jamie, don't hang up. Kyle's trapped in his helmet. They're not real. What are you talking about? They're just characters in the game. I said hang up. Maybe we should hang him Jamie, up. Jamie, take off the helmet quick. Don't you dare take off that helmet off. Ha, prepare to be supper, sucker. Yeah, let's eat him. See you guys in real life. Whoa. Uh, where am I? How do I get out here? Jamie, where, where are you? Do you copy? Yeah, uh, I took the helmet off? I, I guess I forgot, well, I forgot to navigate with the joystick. Use my legs, I'm somewhere, come on, troop. Oh, thank, thank goodness, you're the first person to get the helmet off. Is this real life now? Ah! This week on the Trump Diaries, Trump attacks Canada and shakes hands with Kim. Giuliani claims Mueller is trying to frame his client. The West fires back at Trump's tariffs. Ivanka and Jared made millions. And Scott Pruitt's small-time grift continues as the EPA acts as rules. These are the Trump Diaries. Day 503, June 6th. Stormy Daniels filed a new lawsuit against her former attorney as well as Michael Cohen, saying the two men colluded in order to benefit Trump. The lawsuit alleges her former attorney, Keith Davidson, hatched a plan to have Ms. Clifford, that's Stormy Daniels' real name, appear on Sean Hannity's program to falsely deny the accuracy of an article in In Touch magazine. And Rudy Giuliani claimed Mueller's team is, quote, trying very, very, very hard to frame Trump to get him in trouble when he hasn't done anything wrong. Giuliani continued, quote, Mueller can't emotionally come to grips with the fact that this whole thing with Russian collusion didn't happen. They're trying to invent theories of obstruction of justice. 
Trump tweeted after that interview, quote, what is taking so long in the Justice Department Inspector General's report into Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server. Trump claimed there were numerous delays in releasing that report and said he hopes, quote, it's not being made weaker. And Mexico imposed new tariffs on roughly $3 billion worth of American pork, steel, cheese, and other goods in response to Trump's steel and aluminium tariffs. Trump's chief economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, said the president's preference now, and he asked me to convey this, is to actually negotiate with Mexico and Canada separately. That would torpedo NAFTA. A judge ruled that Trump can be deposed in a defamation lawsuit. Summer Zervos, a former contestant on The Apprentice, sued Trump for defamation after he called her accusations that he kissed and groped her 100% false. He added that she was a phony person coming up with phony allegations. Trump must be deposed by this time next year. LeBron James and Steph Curry said neither the Cavaliers nor the Warriors would attend an NBA ceremony at the White House. The Warriors won the NBA title. The move came after Trump disinvited the Philadelphia Eagles after that team largely declined to attend in the face of Trump's persistent, racially attinged tax on the players. And Scott Pruitt had one of his aides attempt to get his wife a Chick-fil-A franchise. Pruitt's wife started but did not complete the franchisee application, according to the company. An aide who mocked John McCain's health has left the White House. Kelly Sadler's departure was not related to those comments, but was rather a power struggle in which she accused another staff member of leaking her comments to the press. Day 504, June 7th. In a major win for chemical companies, the EPA will scale back how the federal government evaluates toxicity. Instead of assessing the risk of potential chemical exposure in the air, ground, or water, the EPA will focus only on possible harm caused by direct contact. The EPA has been accused of mothballing a damning report about PCB contamination near military bases on the East Coast caused by Teflon-related chemicals. House Speaker Paul Ryan struck back at the White House saying, quote, there's no evidence the FBI spied on Trump's campaign. Trump also said that Trump, who has floated the idea of pardoning himself, quote, obviously should not do so. Mick Mulvaney fired all 25 members of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's advisory board. The board had been outspoken in their criticism of Mulvaney, who has been implacably opposed to the bureau he runs. In a quote, he said, quote, the outspoken members of the CAB seem more concerned about protecting their taxpayer-funded junkets to Washington, D.C. and being wined and dined by the bureau than protecting consumers. Wilbur Ross says the USA has signed a deal with Chinese telecom giant ZTE to end sanctions against the company. The deal includes a $1 billion penalty and requires that U.S. chosen compliance officers will be placed inside the company. ZTA will also be required to change its board of directors. Congressman reacted with outrage at the deal, with Florida's Marco Rubio saying he would fight it. Colin Kaepernick's lawyers plan to subpoena Trump and Vice President Mike Pence as part of their collusion case against the NFL. Kaepernick's attorneys claimed that an unnamed NFL owner admitted under oath during deposition that he decided not to offer Kaepernick a contract after Trump called for the firing of players who refused to stand for the national anthem. And Scott Pruitt's foibles continue. He had his 24-7 security detail pick up his dry cleaning and help him find his favorite moisturizing lotion. That protective detail cost taxpayers nearly $3.5 million. Pruitt was also asked to stop dining in the West Wing. He has complained vociferously that the EPA doesn't have its own cafeteria. Despite Pruitt's high-profile stumbles, Trump continues to support him, saying he's been treated, quote, very badly by a nasty media. Day 505, June 8th. In an unprecedented move, Attorney General Jeff Sessions said he would not defend the Affordable Care Act's individual mandate from a legal challenge to its constitutionality brought by Texas and 19 other states. Sessions said the ACA provision requiring most Americans to buy health insurance has become unconstitutional because Congress repealed the tax that was coupled to the mandate. 
the Supreme Court upheld the individual mandate in 2012 as the government's power to tax. California and 15 other states have filed a brief defending the law and its consumer protections. The law is, of course, incredibly popular with consumers. And heading into the G7 meetings, Trump said that Russia should be reinstated. Russia was kicked out of the group for annexing Crimea four years ago. Quote, why are we having a meeting without Russia being in the meeting? Whether you like it or not, and it may not be politically correct, we have a world to run. Trump has been unusually conciliatory towards Russia. Robert Mueller filed criminal witness tampering charges against Paul Manafort and Russian national Konstantin Kilmanik. Mueller is charging the two men with obstructing justice, conspiracy to obstruct justice, and witness tampering. Kilmanik was indicted as part of the existing money laundering case against Manafort. He was previously described as person A in the lawsuit and is said to be linked to the GRU. And a former Senate Intelligence Committee aide was arrested and charged with lying to the FBI. In addition, a New York Times reporter had her phone and email records seized. James Wolfe had repeatedly denied contacts with reporters despite having been in a three-year relationship with that reporter, Allie Watkins. In a series of off-the-cuff comments before the G7 meetings, Trump said he was considering pardoning Muhammad Ali. His 1967 draft dodging conviction was later vacated and asked kneeling NFL players to recommend people he should pardon due to unfair treatment. One insider says Trump is obsessed with his new use of pardon power. Trump also said he would back an effort to end the ban on marijuana, putting him at odds again with Jeff Sessions. And Rudy Giuliani claimed Melania Trump, quote, believes her husband and she knows it's untrue that Trump had an affair with Stormy Daniels. A spokeswoman for the First Lady responded acidly, quote, I don't believe Mrs. Trump has ever discussed her thoughts on anything with Mr. Giuliani. Day 506, June 9th. The meeting of the G7 group of states began today in Quebec. Trump has alienated all of America's allies, accusing the EU and Canada of unfair business practices while increasing tariffs in an escalating trade war that threatens the economy. Paul Ryan said that House Republicans would draft legislation on immigration, putting the Dreamers and the fierce divisions within the GOP caucus into play in the heart of the midterm election season. Moderate Republicans are attempting to encode protections for the Dreamers. They face hardliners who are worried about depressing conservative turnout. The New York Post is reporting that Trump routinely rips up papers that need to be preserved. The White House now has aid to collect and tape the papers back together. Day 507, June 10th. In an extraordinary collapse, Trump refused to endorse a joint G7 statement and then accused Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau of being meek, very dishonest, and weak. Trump sent a pair of acerbic tweets from Air Force One en route to Singapore, ripping Trudeau after he called American tariffs, quote, kind of insulting, and adding that Canadians are nice, but we will not be pushed around. The breakdown came after a stormy and acrimonious set of meetings in which Trump and European leaders had finally agreed to engage in, quote, free, fair, and mutually beneficial trade and investment. Trump said America will not be Europe's piggy bank and threatened to stop all trade with any country that did not lower or eliminate tariffs. In the wake of Trump's meltdown, German Chancellor Angela Merkel said Europe will implement countermeasures against U.S. tariffs on steel and aluminium. Merkel also said the meeting with Trump was sobering and a bit depressing. French President Emmanuel Macron revealed that Trump told him the European Union is worse than China, then went on a rant about Germany and cars. And Betsy DeVos quietly reinstated a for-profit college accreditor one month after her own department said that organization failed most measures to meet federal standards. The Accrediting Council for Independent Colleges and Schools failed to meet 57 of the 93 criteria required under federal law. Day 508, June 11th. Trump's top economic advisor accused Justin Trudeau of betrayal for making Trump look weak before his summit with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. Larry Kudlow said Trudeau, quote, stabbed us in the back and that Trump is not going to let a Canadian prime minister push him around. 
He's not going to permit any show of weakness on a trip to negotiate with North Korea. Kudlow went on to call Trudeau amateurish and sophomoric. Another advisor, Peter Navarro, said there was, quote, a special place in hell for Trudeau, who double-crossed him. Navarro subsequently apologized for those remarks. In a major voting rights case, the Supreme Court ruled 5-4 to four that a state may kick people off election rolls if they skip a few elections. The case concerned Ohio's aggressive efforts to purge its voting rolls. Voting rights advocates fear the ruling will further erode the voting power of the poor and of African Americans. And several prominent Russians linked to Vladimir Putin met with the National Rifle Association during the 2016 election campaign. The Justice Department is investigating if Russian banker and lifetime NRA member Alexander Torshin illegally channeled money through the gun rights group to help Trump's 2016 presidential bid. And the FCC's repeal of net neutrality rules took effect today. Those rules prohibited internet providers from charging more for certain content and required providers to treat all web traffic equally. Congress is attempting to restore those rules. Day 509, June 12th. In what could be a significant breakthrough, Trump said the United States has signed a framework with North Korea to end that country's nuclear program. In exchange, the USA will end military exercises on the Korean Peninsula. Details remain patchy, but it is alleged that North Korea has committed to denuclearizing while strict sanctions remain in place. Critics of the deal worry that Trump has conceded far too much too quickly while negotiations continue. Trump's pledge to cancel military exercises on the Korean Peninsula surprised not only allies in South Korea, but the Pentagon. Hours after Trump's announcement in Singapore, American troops in Seoul said they are still moving ahead with a military exercise this fall. Trump's promise to end joint military exercises with Seoul left many South Koreans stunned. Those annual exercises have been an integral part of the alliance and have given the small country a sense of security. And Dennis Rodman appeared suddenly in Singapore, adding to the carnival atmosphere. Rodman, who was criticized for meeting with Kim twice, said after Trump shook Kim's hand that, quote, today is a great day. A judge approved the vertical merger of AT&T and Time Warner in a significant setback to the Trump administration. The $85 billion deal is expected to unleash a wave of takeovers in corporate America. The merger will create a media and telecommunications powerhouse that combines libraries such as HBO's Game of Thrones and channels like CNN, along with a vast distribution network. Jeff Sessions ordered immigration judges to stop granting asylum to most victims of domestic abuse and gang violence. The move, which is allowed because immigration courts fall under his purview, effectively blocks tens of thousands of women from seeking refuge in America. Multiple courts had previously ruled that victims of domestic and gang violence qualify for asylum. Sessions said they were, quote, private crimes. Sessions has long sought to reduce immigration into the United States to zero. Day 510, June 13th. The Senate blocked Trump's attempt to allow Chinese telecom giant ZTE to return to business. Trump would have forced the company to pay a $1 billion penalty and make other limited changes, but a bipartisan Senate amendment, which has been added to a must-pass National Defense Authorization Act, essentially kills the agreement. ZTE is considered a state-supported espionage actor. Mandatory filings show that Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner earned some $82 million on an extraordinary number of investment deals. Trump and Kushner remained investors through various vehicles and trusts, but did not disclose, among other things, if the properties were sold at fair market values, to whom, and whether or not their business dealings were entangled with their work at the White House. The couple sold some $147 million worth of property last year. Trump sent three letters to FIFA in support of the American Joint World Cup bid with specific guarantees that teams, officials, and fans will face no restrictions on entering the USA for World Cup matches in 2026. The letters upend Trump's hardline stance on visas. A federal judge expressed skepticism that Trump's financial interest in the Trump International Hotel in D.C. remains constitutional. 
A lawsuit brought by the District of Columbia and the state of Maryland claims that Trump's profits from the hotel violate the Emoluments Clause, which prohibits government officials from receiving financial benefits outside of their salary. The Justice Department is arguing Trump can have foreign governments stay at Trump Hotel as long as he doesn't explicitly provide something in return, such as mints on the pillows. And the Daily News reports that Michael Cohen will soon be arrested as part of the Mueller probe into Russian collusion. In related news, Stormy Daniels' lawyer claims that stories about him having connections to Ukraine and Russia are a smear campaign orchestrated by Russia. And the White House made a Hollywood-style movie trailer, which it played for journalists, ahead of the North Korean summit. The video, which had images of warplanes and artillery with a narrator suggesting, quote, a new world can begin today, one of friendship, respect, and goodwill, was initially seen to be a propaganda film made by the North Koreans. The film was called Two Men, Two Leaders, and One Destiny. These are the Trump Diaries. TechScene Chicago spoke to Lauren Ramsey about the emerging technology of blockchain. Ramsey discussed how blockchain will be used in the future, how startup culture affects the city of Chicago, and how tech is slowly becoming more inclusive for women. TechScene Chicago with Melanie Adcock airs every Friday at 1 p.m. And our, our guest today, Lauren Ramsey, she is not only the founder of Betsy Bash, she is here today to discuss um, her new event series on the topic of blockchain and a few other things, um, something called Parker Pays It Forward. It's a new thought leadership series. Uh, Lauren, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. We've talked about blockchain on our show a couple times now, but can you help our listeners again understand what blockchain <laughs> is? Sure. So, okay. I know, blockchain can sound really complicated, right? Uh, and it, it kind of is. But let me see, the, like, the way I like to describe it the best, um, first and foremost, it's a decentralized database, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at the concept between centralized databases and decentralized databases, there's either one central location that everything is stored or things are being stored you know, in multiple places. And so that's the first concept that you should understand is that it's decentralized, which means it's being stored in multiple locations. Um, the other piece of it that's that's good to understand is that um, it's a way to build trust into a database. Mm -hmm. Because it's being stored in so many different places, each place that it's being stored has to verify that that record is accurate versus one person creating a record and saying it's accurate. Mm -hmm. Right. Then there's also the concept of security around that as well because now um, one person can't hack into one place and have the whole thing. Right now, they they would have to be able to hack into every single location in that in that decentralized database, which makes it a little bit more secure. And so, by building that trust in, it really opens up opportunities for interesting ways to track things that you want trust around. So, one of the examples that I kind of like to to bring up as a first intro into blockchain is, let's say if you were a painter, and you created a painting, and you input that you created this painting into a blockchain, right? Uh, then it would say that uh, here's the painting, the name of it, and I'm the artist. And then let's say you sold it to someone. So maybe I sold my painting to Melanie. Mm -hmm. And then Melanie is the next, is the purchaser, right? And now let's say it's 100 years later and I'm wildly famous painter. <laughs> and you can say, I have this Lauren Ramsey painting because mm -hmm. it's recorded here in blockchain. And I know that that's where it came from. I know it's been verified. Mm -hmm. um, and right. so the person that wants to buy it from you down the road can say that they know for sure it's a Lauren Ramsey painting. Got so that's it. kind of just one, one way to think about it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that, that that actual concrete example exists in the world anywhere, but 
that's a I think a concept. A hundred years your head from now, it might. You never know. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna get you a paintbrush. Hey, hey you never know. Right. I could be a, I could be a great painter. And I just never knew it. <laughs> right. But that but that's a good you know or or like if somebody buys some kind of uh, expensive uh, branded purse or something like that, and they want to make sure that it's someone else who re buys it later wants to make sure it's not a fake or something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that that makes sense. So it's like a verifiable, you know, um, like a source of trust, like a source yeah. of truth. And I think the other example that's that's always interesting to talk about is, um, and probably people have heard this phrase too, is smart contracts. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the same type of idea, right? But now you're adding a contract into the mix. So let's think of an artist, right? Mm-hmm. So an artist creates a song. Obviously, the artist, there's not just one person that contributes to the creation of a song. You've got the producer, you've got the writer, you've got the instrumentalists, you've mm-hmm. got the singer, right? And so at the end of the day, if that song is popular, then it, they're going to get some royalties from that song. And so you can build a contract around that entry. Oh, using blockchain. Yeah, and then uh-huh. say, okay, now every time that this song is played in this format, these these individuals get this percentage of that Aha, uh-huh. and the Painted. blockchain can work all that out. It can. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, yeah. that's a very interesting way to use it that we're not really, you know, the uh, people who know a little bit of something about it aren't really thinking of. And and yeah. so the, I guess so the purpose of this blockchain event was to talk about all these new ways that blockchain can be used. So it's not just for things like cryptocurrency, which would be Bitcoin or something like that, but it mm-hmm. would be for these other things, too. It would be useful. Yeah, so, I mean, we really did. We talked about... You know, just interesting use cases that are already happening, things that are happening in Chicago, things that are happening around the world, and how people can get interested and in, in, involved, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to become a blockchain developer. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be a blockchain enthusiast and just start going to meetups mm-hmm. um, and just be a part of the world as it's changing, right? Because uh, I, I was at South by Southwest earlier this year, and that was the biggest topic was mm-hmm. blockchain, uh, wow. hands down. And so... I think that, you know, there's just ways to get involved and get yourself educated because a lot of people, when they talk about it, uh, the people that are heavily, heavily involved in blockchain, they're saying it's going to be as revolutionary as the Internet was when it started. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Now, now, how did you personally get interested in the blockchain? Was it just sort of getting swept up by the current of like, "Ooh, this is a, the biggest topic. I better know something about it." Or, <laughs> or do you have do you how what's your what's your story? How did you get into it? Yeah. So when I actually so when I was in college, I actually have a tech degree. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I did a double major in business and management information systems, uh-huh. and I started coding when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So I started learning HTML and C in high school, and I just really knew that technology was where you know, this world was going to take us. Like we, if, And the thing for me is I thought as if I was in the technology field, then I would be surrounded by people that could help keep me educated on what's new and what's current and what's changing um, and not get too far behind, right? Mm-hmm. So that was my logic in college. And it's been kind of an interesting career path because that has happened, you know. So I've, I've been surrounding myself with people that are smarter than me in different technology aspects, right? Because I don't know everything. No one can. Um, and so so right now, I mean, blockchain is just so interesting to me because I do think it's going to be the next big thing. And so this, the, the, the more that I'm able to learn about it, the, the better. Mm-hmm. You know? 
Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think so too. And, and we're, so today here on the show, we're essentially helping to inform the public on a relatively complex topic, this blockchain. Mm-hmm. And so, so I wanted to know like how you learn about and come to understand some of these complex topics in tech. And I asked this so that we as listeners, um, myself included here, um, can be an inspired not to be so intimidated by these things because right. um, it is a complicated topic. And maybe we can all learn to be a little bit more like you. Like So, so how, how do you do it? What's your secret for how you you absorb all this information and learn about something like this? Yeah, I think, you know, just start with being curious, right? So figuring out what questions you want to ask and then find somebody uh, that's open and willing to share some information with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't found a lot of people in the blockchain space that have been like, I'm not going to explain this to you. <laughs> you know, right. like most people are like, oh my gosh, you want to talk about blockchain? Let's talk. You know, so I think if you find somebody in your community that's interested in it and already working in it, um, they'd be a first great resource. Um, I definitely learned a lot at South by Southwest, so I can't imagine if you went in 2019 that it wouldn't be the same scenario where there's mm-hmm. probably going to be even more blockchain events happening there. Um, honestly, you can Google. Just go to Google and start entering in blockchain. There's lots of really great YouTube videos that break down just the basics of it and what the relationship is between blockchain and cryptocurrency. And I think that's important to, to understand before um before you start looking at anything else, I think you need to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, at the panel this this Wednesday, uh, we will have a recorded version of that. So if people want to see that later, you can go to parker.consulting. Or sorry, just parker.consulting. Um, but they listed out a lot of really great resources too. One of which one of which was the original white paper that was written about blockchain. And so mm. they the, the panelists all agreed like that's really where you should start. So uh, mm. that's what they said. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that's that's good advice as well. This week, Dos Santos released their forthcoming album, Logos, which was primarily recorded here at the Co-Prosperity Sphere. Lumpin' Radio is proud to debut a new song from Dos Santos off that album. This is the world premiere of Acaba May.
Lumpin' Week in Review is produced by the staff and volunteers of WLPN LP Chicago, the community radio of the future. Lumpin' Week in Review is overseen by Logan Bay, produced and engineered by Jamie Trecker. The Lumpin' theme, background, and interstitial music is by Mike Perkins. Lumpin' Radio Sting by Dan Jugal. Voiceovers by Ed Marzuski, Jamie Trecker, and Shanna Van Volt. For more information on Lumpin' Radio, visit lumpinradio.com. Lumpin' Radio broadcasts on 105.5 FM in the Chicago area and worldwide via lumpinradio.com. ¶¶ 